Okay. All right, guys. Well, next up, and if this it's not really a show, I suppose, next up. <laughs> but we've got Tracy Ingram that's going to speak with us this morning. She is in the driving seat here in the man cave this morning. And uh, I'm going to hand over to her, hand over to her, and she's going to just share from her heart what God is doing and stuff. So go for it, Trace. So just sorting out all the echoes here. Um, Sean, thank you for sharing that. Wow, that is just so incredible and um, just so in line with what I want to share today. So so we definitely know God's in control this morning. Um, I, if you have your Bibles with you, I'd love you to turn with me to 1 Samuel 30. I'm going to read it and then I'll open in prayer. And it came to pass when David and his men, I'm reading from verse 1 to 6, um, David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day, and the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire, and had taken the woman captive and and were there in oh, I've got it on King James Version here <laughs> that were therein, they slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. Verse three So David and his men came to the city, and behold it was burned with fire. And their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captive. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives were taken captive. I can't pronounce their names, but uh, he was pretty upset about it. And verse six, and David was greatly distressed for the people spake of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord, his God. Lord, we just come to you this morning. We just thank you for the word that you've laid upon my heart. And I just ask that you would anoint these words that I'm going to share this morning, that you would invade each home as um, I share these words and that people's lives would be touched by what is said and, and that you would reveal yourself to them this morning. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would just be with each of us as a community this morning. Amen. While I'm at it, I'm going to just quickly take off the King James Version here. It's a Rather tough to read. <laughs> okay. So I just want to read that verse again, verse 6. And it says, uh, it says, Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord. And I wanted to sort of share, this is something that I think I've learned over my Christian life, and I will still probably continue to learn, but it's something that has been probably one of the most profound lessons that I've I've journeyed through as a Christian, and it's this concept of of the fact that number one, David was greatly distressed, and that discouragement and seasons of hardship and see and and challenges and hurdles and obstacles, like Sean was sharing, are going to. Um, be part of our lives. There, there's going to be seasons that that of winter in our lives. We, we're not we're not immune to the realities of this world. But the secret here was that in even amidst this time, I mean, it, it says in verse seven that they wept until they could there was they could no, no longer weep. There was nothing left. They 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 were so distressed and so discouraged. There was nothing left. They were so broken, and yet in all of that, David was able to encourage himself in the Lord. So I just wanted to share three main points. I want to talk a little bit about discouragement and why it's a lie. Firstly, is that it's 
one of the things about discouragement is that it's very easy to become discouraged when we face with something a challenge or a heart race, because the reason for feeling discouraged is real. The reasons are not false. We genuinely go through losses. We genuinely go through challenges. We genuinely um, experience those things, those feelings, those emotions, those challenges. Those are real. And it's easy to fall into the trap of believing that that's the whole truth. And that, um, you know, it doesn't, there's so many, sadly, in our fallen world, there's so many reasons for us to see easily. There's no special skill required to see the reasons. It doesn't take faith to become discouraged. But the good news is, is that discouragement and the challenges is only actually half the picture and that we can actually be, be defeat discouragement because the Bible declares that there's just simply more to see. And I want you to, if you can, turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 6. And... Um, I'm going to read from verse 15. But I just need to give you some context before I get there. Uh, um, basically, Elisha and his servant um, have been sent an ambush. And uh, they're, they're, the, they wake up in the morning and off they go. And, and it says in verse 15, um, And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out. There was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And uh, his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? And I suppose it's kind of quite comical because it kind of looks at there's two of us and like probably 500 of them. And, you know, that joke about two of us, there were two of us and the 500 of them. And that was the situation that they were facing. And the servant becomes... Yeah, the servant becomes quite discouraged quite immediately because at, as you can see in front of his eyes, they, they totally surrounded. And, and in the natural, they genuinely are surrounded. It's not, it's not the emotions playing tricks on them. It's a real challenge that they have to face. But they're only seeing, he, the, the servant is only seeing one thing. And so Elisha says to him to look again. And when he, say, when he does it, so Elisha says in verse 16, so he answered, do not fear. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And so when the Syrians came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, strike this people. And so the victory was won. But the thing I wanted to, to share with you, firstly, is that, yes, we will face discouragement. Yes, it's easy to become overwhelmed. But the reality is, even though in the physical you may feel that you're surrounded, we need to ask the Lord to open our eyes to see what is actually happening, what is the actual truth that we are experiencing. And if you go with me, uh, if you, sorry, I've got a couple of scriptures. Jeff, you can go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And verse 7. And here is a picture of the truth. It says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. 
persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed. I find it hard to say that line without wanting to sing that song. Always um, carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you scroll down a little further to verse 18, it says that while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And it's so true that when you're facing a circumstance, um, that perhaps what we're seeing is just temporary. That actually what is actually happening behind the scenes is that God is still in control and that God is still with us and dealing with us. Okay, let's just get back to David. So if we can go back to 2 Kings in verse 6 again, it says, And David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And so, yes, part one, we're going to face challenges. That's a reality that we can't, but we don't need to let it lead to a place where we become so overwhelmed with discouragement. So one of the things that we we would naturally ask ourselves then is how did he encourage himself in the Lord? Well, first of all, it says he encouraged himself. He didn't wait, say, okay, God, well, I'm still going to sit here until you make everything change. And when my circumstances change, then things are going to pick up. If Sean did that, he most likely would not be on his way to America right now. You know, he didn't let the circumstances dictate to him what um, was what what was going on. So, first of all, we, he encouraged himself, and he took the bull by the horns. He's the one who said, "God, I'm going to I'm going to come to you. I'm going to wait on you. I'm going to rely on you and what you say. He, I'm going to reach down inside my very being." I'm going to take claim of those promises that you've given to me and those words that you've spoken over me and um, the destiny that you have promised me. And I'm going to claim them anew, despite what I can see and despite what I feel. I'm going to to remember those things. I'm going to remember the love that you have for me. You know, I, I found there was many times, especially in this last year, where I felt discouraged and very often, all I could do was put on some praise and worship songs and just let just sing. And there's many times I couldn't even sing along. And you guys know I love to sing, um, and it's it's very seldom that I that I don't sing along. But there were times when I was feeling so low that I just couldn't. But I just let the words just wash over me and the spirit just fill my home. And because sometimes we do, we get to that point. But it's a, it's a constant reminder to us, especially when you're choosing songs that that speak truth. That, that remind us of the love that he has for us. They also remind us of the calling and the promise that he's called over us. And many of us have words spoken over us or, or we've been given promises by the Lord that we need to continually remind ourselves and remind God of what he's promised us. And also an incredible thing, as Sheldon was sharing this morning, to, to listen to testimonies, to remember past deliverances, past experiences where God has come through for us. I know that um, in in the Bible times, the shepherds used to have a staff, and each time there was there was they had so, sort of a breakthrough. They would make a mark on, like 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 file down a mark onto their staff, and um, it would stand as a reminder to them that you know God had come through for me at that point. And I don't know. I think of my staff. That it must be covered back to front, left and right. Every side of that staff would be covered because there's been so many occasions in my life when God has come through for me, that I, I mustn't lose sight of the fact that he can do it again, 
that that it's that there is no there is nothing that's impossible for him there's nothing that i'm facing that he is not in control of that he cannot overcome and so reminding ourselves and also hearing from others i mean hearing the sto- story from sean um it's just so encouraging and because god can do it for sean it doesn't mean it's only for sean god's not a respecter of persons you know and that miracle that you're holding out for that thing that you've been waiting for god's going to do it for one and he's going to do it for you as well because he's he loves you and he wants you to to walk in the promises and in in the calling that he has for you the bible says in isaiah 40 verse 31 that those that wait on the lord shall renew their strength and i looked up that word wait um it, it's a hebrew word quaver or quaver i don't know how to pronounce it but it means to tie together by twisting or to entwine or to wrap tightly and i thought you know in those moments when you are feeling low or discouraged and you need or in great distress and i think many of us know this looming family meeting that we are supposed to have tonight and wondering what it is and the predictions and hearing the news reports and you just feel we feel like i'm i don't know i don't know if you feel the same way i do but I just feel like I can't, how much more? I, I, please, you know, this, by now this, we should have, I sort of imagined this whole thing would be blown over and we'd be getting on with life. And, you know, and, and the, the, the media, of course, are all predicting these awful scenarios of everything's going to shut down again and we're all going to be locked away. And, you know, and I think many of us who, who've already experienced trauma and, and uh, business failures and, financial problems during that time would that that wound would be fresh and this would this could easily lead us to fall into the trap of becoming fearful mm. but it's but it says those that wait on the lord wrap yourself tightly around the lord draw into him the, the, in these times draw into him. tie together by twisting i mean imagine imagine a, a cord that's been braided or when you braid your hair and you're twisting each strand one over the other there's not a part of the rope that's not covered you know twist yourself in and and uh, and wrap yourself tightly in the presence of god and draw on his strength and draw on his wisdom and on his discernment the thing is that in the story david doesn't just stop there he goes through the stressful time he encourages himself in the lord he gets himself to the point where he has reached a moment where he's feeling like okay i can i'm trusting in you god amidst all the fog and amidst all this turmoil and disaster and I'm, i mean i kind of feel like when i stop praying i'm going to turn around and someone's going to stone me but he's brought himself to the point where he's he's pressed into god and he's reached that point and then he asks himself a new question and uh, i mean he he does he does one thing more and if you can turn with me to 1 Samuel 30 again if you if you're not there already and this time I want to read verse 7 and have a look and see what he does now I've just got to find it of course it won't be in the New Testament <laughs> so when you're nervous you can't remember where all the books are <laughs> okay so verse 7 it says and then David said, now this is after this, oh, this is after verse six, and it says, but David strengthened himself in the Lord. And then part three, he said to David, uh, sorry, then David said to Abathar, the priest, Amalek's son, sorry, please bring the ephod here to me. And so um, Abathar brought the ephod to David. And so David inquired of the Lord and he asked the Lord some specific questions 
tailored to his situation that he was facing. So I was looking up a couple of things, uh, doing a bit of research on on this ephod. Okay, so an ephod is um, a special apron that is worn by the priests. And the high priest had a sort of special breastplate that went over the ephod called the breastplate of judgment. And on that breastplate, there was all different stones and gems, valuable gems. But underneath the breastplate was a little pouch. And inside that pouch were two stones. And those, the two stones in there was called the urim and the thummim. Urim and thummim or thummim. Okay. And um, it's very, there's a lot of sort of, contention about these two stones they were commanded of the lord and during the old testament priesthood this was something that the priests would use as a way of by which to to get revelation from the lord how exactly they used them there's a lot of debate but the 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 name urim and theorem actually means urim means light and thuman means perfection and so sometimes they refer to as perfect light and the thing is that um, however these were used, I mean, no, none of us were, were there and, and I'd hate to, to speak out of context and say something that was incorrect. But the idea was that the, some of the school of thought is that they would, the high priest would go and pray and ask God about a certain thing and the stones would light up and cause them to, be, to, to reveal to them what it is that this is where God wants you to do or this is what God doesn't want you to do. And, and I thought, you know, today's world, we don't need those because of what Jesus has done on the cross. And that was a, that was a part or a time before the word, you know, but our perfect light, the word of God, you know, in the beginning was the word and the word was God. And so David was really just going to the living word. And in fact, the scholars actually say that whenever it says in the Bible that they inquired of the Lord, this is what they were doing is that they were asking God for a new revelation something that was be, pertained to their specific situation. They were actually seeking God for his guidance. And today, if we were to do that, if we go to his word, seeking something specific for our situation, God will guide us. And um, I just wanted to, to sort of start winding down with a, with a bit of a testimony uh, and sort of how come this is so sort of important to me in my life is... is um, how many years ago now? Nine years ago, my son was was three at the time. Liam, I don't know if you, some of you've met him before. And um, I was, my young, my little daughter had just been born or was about to be born. And Liam um, came home one afternoon and his joints, all of his joints were swollen and bruised. And my very active, very um, energetic son just lay on the bed and he just was crying and writhing in pain and he had all these unusual bruises on his legs it looked like someone had taken a baseball bat to him and just absolutely climbed into him he was just full of bruises and swelling and of course as a parent I just freaked out you know like what was going on here and it was it was the, I remember very clearly it was the Easter weekend and there was nothing open no doctors that were available unless we went to the emergency room and so we we sort of tended to him over the weekend and then um, I sent a message to my pediatrician and he asked us to do all sorts of, told us to do all these di different things and it's a very long story so I'm going to just paraphrase quite quickly. 
And essentially, eventually we got to the GP and they said to us we needed to go and have him tested. It was likely, it could likely have been some sort of cancer or like, like le uh, leukemia or some, you know, they want, they wanted us to, he needed to go for tests because we needed to rule this out, all these things out. And of course, as a, as a mom, I mean, I've been a Christian for many years and been involved in ministry and church many times, but I think this was the first time in my life I was faced with a challenge that I couldn't use my intellect or my knowledge or call in a favor from someone. Like I could, you know, oftentimes we we face challenges and we, we use that sort of faith without hinting is dead. And we, we speak a lot about our problems and someone gets compassionate and problems get solved. And I think I went had probably gone through most of my Christian life that way. So this was the first time that there was just nothing I could do. I, I, I couldn't ask my dad to help me or my mom to help me. I, you know, I, the doctors, you know, there was just nothing. And I was faced with this feeling of total powerlessness. Um, and to be very honest and to be very real with you, I totally collapsed. I just could not cope. I, I, um, I just fell apart. In, in, anyway, to cut a long story, another, this very long story short, he was then diagnosed with an autoimmune disease. Um, it's, the word is like this long, Henoxonline papyrus which basically is your body attacks itself. So you can't even give medication. It's not a bug or a germ that you can kill. It's your own body attacking you. And the doctor said to us that there is no prognosis. He's either going to have this for the rest of his life um, or it's going to work out of his system, whatever. But it also attacks the lining of your stomach and your kidneys and all things internally. So here we were with our three-year-old son who could no longer walk because he's so swollen and bruised. Um, he, his, uh, we, he was not allowed to go to school. He was not allowed to be anywhere in the public because his immune system was so compromised. And he just lay on the couch and he lay there watching DVDs. Mm. And as a, as a mom and a woman of God, I was nowhere. I, I crumbled and I collapsed. And my dad, who's also in the ministry, was encouraging me and asked God to give you a word to hold on to. And, you know, I was Googling as many healing scriptures as I could. And I Googled one, then I would just say, pray that one. I Google the next one and pray that one. And yes, those scriptures encouraged me and they, they, they reminded me. And so I'm not, I'm not um, saying that that's not important, but I was waning between where David was. I was in great distress. And then I would encourage myself with some praise and worship and, you know, some prayer. And, and then the minute I'd walk out the room, I'd see my son and then I'd crash again. And I was doing this flip-flop seat-like thing. And I just, I, had, I just felt like I was barely hanging on by my fingernails, unable to, to accomplish much. And, um, and eventually my dad said to me, ask God for a word specifically to your situation. And I Sort of three, four weeks in, I, I caved in and I sat in front with the Bible and I did the, I did the, open the book, you know, drop it on your lap and hope that the Holy Spirit would just <laughs> pop it, you know, drop the scripture's going to jump out and it was, there was nothing there and I, and I just, I don't even know how to do this. I don't even know how to hear from you. Um, and I just had my, the same song on, on the CD play in the car and I, it, I would just cry to work and I'd cry home. I was just an absolute wreck. And, um, I said, eventually, at some point in my drop and uh, stop method, a scripture did pop out at me, and I really felt that was very pertinent to my situation. And I said, okay, Lord, I'm claiming that one. I'm, I'm going to take that one. I mean, I was very 
uh, naive at this stage. And I was like, okay, that's the one I'm going to take. And I said, I'm going to trust you for this. And it was to do with his healing. And um, we were back and forth. But I mean, it, uh, we, were, we were back and forth on this for about six weeks. And then a friend of mine phoned and said to me, there is a, a minister who is here from overseas who has a healing. He's doing a healing crusade. And he specifically called for children on this one particular night. So why don't you take Liam? So I dragged my few month old baby, my three year old son and my husband. And off we went on this uh, to find the speaker. And it was a very far drive for a Durban night, 40 minutes. You know, that's a that's a day out, you know, in Durban. <laughs> you, know, you have to like pack putt course to go that far. And it was a big deal for us. And it was at night. And we sat through this long service and there were thousands of people in the venue and they still did like hours of praise and worship and preaching. And I just, you know, and, and I thought, you know, this, my children were crying and tired and they wanted to go. And I was like, no, we've got to stay. And then right at the end, they started to call up children. And one of the first children that they prayed for was deaf and God opened his ears and there was incredible miracles. And I thought, you know, this is the, this is the setting. And then they said, you know, they did a whole lot of children who had terminal illnesses and then they called for the others. And I thought, well, this is great. I don't know what I imagined, but as soon as he said that, I think the whole auditorium stood up and went to the front. There must have been about 300 to 500 people standing in the front of this service waiting for prayer. And so they, they lined us up into lines. And I think I was in the third row back and they were going for one, praying for one person all the way down. And they they did a sort of open prayer and then we waited and I was holding Liam. I remember Liam had kept Kelsey at the back of the church because he's like, I'm not going to go into that big crowd. This was pre-COVID days. And it was um, sort of back shoulder to shoulder and, and, I, and I was holding Liam and I'd stood there for about 15, 20 minutes and I heard this voice say, why are you here? And I honestly thought that it was the guy behind me. He was bored of waiting now and asked, you know, trying to start a conversation, you know, so I turned to look and this guy was eyes closed praying and I looked around and I didn't see anybody that was trying to have this conversation with me. So I kind of brushed it off and I heard it again and it was, why are you here? And then I realized it's the Holy Spirit speaking to me and, and I, I sort of, you know, well, you know why I'm here, Lord. I mean, duh, this is, that's a stupid question, you know? And, um, I, I very and I heard the voice say, "Do you not believe the word I've given you?" And I thought, "Yeah, I do." You know, but you know, and so why are you here? And this feeling in my heart, and I sort, you know, sort of started to feel a bit uneasy because I was feeling a little bit convicted. And it's not to take anything away from the the man who was speaking, and 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 those those he and many children were healed, but God was doing something specifically with me at that point. And I remember I stood there and, you, you know, I don't know, you know, that feeling when you just know the Holy Spirit is just working in your heart and you start to feel nervous and you, you can feel like all these sensations running through your body. And I just, and I knew I had to turn around and leave. And I thought, I've been here for three hours already, you know, done my 40 minute drive to get here. And I just said, okay. And I, at that point, I just made the decision that, okay, Lord, I, I trust you and I'm going. And I turned around and I had Liam on my he was fast asleep. He, this was like 10 o'clock at night. He was head on his shoulders. And I turned around and I weaved my way through the crowd and I started walking down the passage. And as I was walking, I could see Keith's face becoming more and more confused as to why I was walking away, having not had this guy lay hands on Liam. And I got to him and I just said, don't ask, just go. <laughs> just get in the car. Don't ask. 
you know, I got in the car and, and um, my mom and dad phoned to say, oh, is everything okay? And I, I just, I said, don't ask. And I hung up the phone and I got, and, and fortunately they respected my wishes and nobody asked. And um, physically there were still bruises and marks all over his body, but I knew in that moment, I knew in that moment that something had shifted in the, in, in the atmosphere. Um, and within two weeks of that time, the bruises had healed. And so what, what happened was each time he would get new bruises every morning. So um, there was varying degrees. If you, if you have a very light skin, bruises have lots of different colors. You know, they start with the dark black down to the sort of fading, fading away. And so he had varying levels of bruising. And from that day, no new bruises came up. So every morning we'd wake up to check and there'd be nothing new that had happened. The only thing that was left on his body were the marks of, from previous bruising. And after two weeks, it was completely clear. And the, the pediatrician said to me, well, it's gone. It looks like it's gone. And he, to this day, he's n never had a single side effect or any backlash or any problem from that. And it, it just made me realize that um, in that moment, um, it, was, it, was, it was probably a month later when, then, sorry, this, the, the, when, when Keith, my husband, was then diagnosed with cancer. And I remember we went to the doctor's rooms and the doctor said, you have, you have the cancer. And we both of us sat there quite calmly and he said, are you two okay? Um, and we said, yeah, we're fine. He said, you're very calm. So we both said, it's okay. We know God's in control here. We left the room and I waited till the family went to bed and I, I walked into the, the lounge and I said to God, I'm not falling apart like I did with Liam. I said, I want that word now, <laughs> like day one. And I feel like from that point on, um, in all my, in all the things and the challenges that we faced, and God did give me a word for, for Keith. It was that he had, he was faithful to complete what he had started. And I knew that no matter what Keith was going to go through in terms of his treatment and things like that, that God was, he was not going to die from it. That was just the word that I'd felt God had given me. And it was in that moment that I realized the importance of having that word, that rhema word, that unique word to actually inquire of the Lord to, to, yes, we will be discouraged and we have to encourage ourselves and strengthen ourselves. But that flip flop situation that we often find ourselves being led more by our emotion really. And, 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 having that head knowledge that God can heal us or God can come through, but not really having the confidence that he will was a sort of revelation that, that God spoke to me. And I wasn't, and it was at that point when God gave me the word for Keith that I immediately entered into his rest. Yeah. And even though the journey for, with the cancer was two years really in, in the making from day one, from the day of the diagnosis, there was just an incredible peace in our home that we knew that no matter what we were going to face, this was, you know, that God had, had already told us what the outcome was going to be. Um, and so where are you? Where are you in this journey? Because all of us have at some point faced some sort of discouragement. And perhaps we're right at the very beginning. Like that servant, we're feeling surrounded. We're feeling outnumbered. We're feeling like we can't cope with the situation or the impending situation or something's going to happen. And I think if you're in that situation, ask God to open your eyes. Ask God to reveal to you the real truth. Ask him to let you see the bigger picture, to let him let you see that actually those that are that are against you are far outnumbered by those that are for you.
perhaps you are were like the second part. Perhaps you 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 on that emotional roller coaster where you're being tossed to and from, where you have these moments of discour of discouragement, and then you you're running to the scriptures, you're running to the church service, you're running to the pastor, you're getting that sort of feed of of positive encouragement and uh, reading the scripture and, and then you leave the room and then you see the circumstances again and you're feeling like you're just doing this flip-flop, flip-flop motion. And if you're feeling that that's you, then inquire of the Lord. Go to him, draw into a quiet place and ask him to give you a revelation. Ask him to give you a rhema word that is specific to your circumstance, something for you to hold on to, a promise, an encouragement, um, an answer, some direction, because God will give you the guidance if you ask. Those that wait on the Lord shall receive that strength. And and just like David, he, he received the instruction from the Lord and he acted on that instruction. And in the end, he was able to, without fail, recover all, is what the, the scripture actually says. And... If you, yeah, if you're feeling that that is where you are, don't be. I mean, I, I've been I've been quite real with you, and as and as I, and I said, even though I've been through those circumstances, I'm I'm not always there, and I've had moments even now in this season where I've been flipping and flopping and trying my best to encourage myself and to, but I really do want to encourage you to ask God to show you a word that you can hold on to, because because God is not a man that He should lie nor the son of man that he should change his mind. And if he says something, he will do it. And if he's given you a promise, if he said something over your life, he is faithful to complete what he has started in you. And so if we, let's just close our eyes as I just want to pray for you. Lord, I pray for those who are discouraged, confused, those with no hope, those who are angry, who are frustrated, who are tired, perhaps those who are asking questions, who are looking for you. Lord, I pray that you would open their eyes, that you would reveal to them a, the bigger picture. I, I, I declare that the rest of the Holy Spirit be released upon you right now. Lord, thank you for your rest over our minds and over our spirits and over our emotions right now. You said, come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. And so we come to you this morning, Lord, and we ask for your rest. We ask that you, you, you steady our, our souls. We're standing on your faithfulness this morning. You have carried us in this season. You're, you are consistent. You are never changing. And that's the place that we're speaking from today. And Lord, we thank you that there is an authority that is so much stronger than the hopelessness and the discouragement that we might be facing. And it is the authority of Jesus Christ. And so I declare in each and every home that is here this morning, I declare your authority to be in that place. Lord, I declare that eyes would be opened, that's, that, that you would speak and that people would hear clear direction and word from you, Lord. That you would intervene in the circumstances and the challenges that they are facing. Lord, you reign over all. And I ask for your peace in the situation in Jesus' name. Amen.